So the big power shift that happened in the economy is now a war. It's a war for top talent. Helen and I are here to talk about, we aren't just competing with like companies, we're competing with any company that is a pleasant place to work, that's flexible, that trusts their employees, that encourages their employees. And that is what has led to this podcast. In this episode, the power has shifted to talent. Are you ready, Helen? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Love Your Team. I am the co-host, Susan Finch, with our main host, my friend, Helen Fanucci. We're going to be covering on why talent is scarce. And Helen covered in the previous episode that it's an average of 4 million people a month are quitting their jobs. This is men and women. It's making headlines. It's huge. I have a lot of friends, too, that are taking early retirements. I have people that were just trying to get through and with all the changes in the way things are being done, they said, forget it, we're done. I'm just done. I'm going to do something part-time. I'm going to come up with my own job. Microsoft has some research on this, Helen. And what do you know? 76% of employees want flexibility as to where they work. They want to be able to work remotely. And 93% want flexibility as to when they work. So for example, I have team members who have family in India and they want to be able to mm -hmm. travel to India, take some vacation time, but then also work from India. And you know, work has become much more asynchronous. Sure, we have customer meetings and meetings with internal colleagues, but a lot of work can be done on your own time. And so right. in an effort to retain my talent and make sure that they were taking care of what they cared about, which is not mm -hmm. only work, but family. I said, yes, of course. And we figured out a way for them to work from India for a period of time. I know with my own team, I've had my own business for 20 years and have always worked with that flexibility. Yes, I have to meet with clients when it fits at their time, but for the tasks themselves, it didn't matter. If I want to work at three in the morning, I could work at three in the morning. If I wanted to do it all in one 12 hour shift and take two days off, I wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to take it with me. I wanted to be able to write from the beach <laughs> to go anywhere. And so as I know, when I started adding to my own team, that was one of the biggest things I could give them. Not only would they, typically I pay people more when they start out than a lot of people think I'm crazy for doing that. But the other big thing was you want to go tour Asia, go. These are the three deadlines, meet these deadlines with these tasks. I don't care when you do it. And that I'm told has been the most enjoyable thing about working with our team. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I'm sure that puts you ahead and be able to retain your talent, but it's not just flexibility of where and when people work. It's also flexibility. I have an employee that had a vacation plan to Europe. His family's from Europe and his parents hadn't seen their son for a couple of years because of COVID. And meanwhile, there was a big project coming down the pike with their customer. And so they're like, I know this is rotten timing, but I really need to go and see my family. And I said, sure, let's figure it out. Let's find a way to backfill you. I stepped up personally. I did more. Other people on the team did more. But if I had said no, 
you know, taking vacation at this time is an indicator that you're not serious about your job or something like that, right. which was more of a maybe a historical viewpoint. He likely would have quit his job, not that day, not probably that month or maybe even this year, but he would have said, hang on, I've got to go find a job that's more accommodating. Right. If the pandemic taught us anything, it taught us that we need to have compassion and empathy for what's going on with people. And employees really want to be treated as a whole person, not just as a worker that comes into the office. And people aren't going into the office much anymore, if at all. So expectations for sure have shifted. I've noticed too, I was speaking with a neighbor recently, well, her son, and he's about to quit a company that he works for because he's miserable. They force him to go in He's like five years older than me. And he they force him to go into the office now twice a week for absolutely no reason other than it's a control thing. It's fear, it's control, it's not trusting, not trusting your staff. And that to me is a killer as well, especially for people that don't deserve the mistrust. They've never done anything to exhibit a reason to doubt them. And I think that is another shift that... I. That's in leadership, though. That that starts at the top and comes on down because everybody reacts to whatever that fear is and keeps their thumb on their employees and their team and going down the next level. Then they do it and then they do it. Well, and you end up with this company culture that is just, it's horrible. Yeah, company culture matters. And I know many employees want to work for companies that have a great culture in fact, that could be more important than salary for some employees. The whole thing about the keeping an eye on employees or control, that's kind of old school sales management, and that doesn't cut it anymore. It's mm -mm. so important that you focus on the outcomes and the expectations of your team on deliverables, activity, or showing up in the office doesn't equal results or outcomes. And that may be a new skill for many people. And trust me, there are companies that would love the talent that have more modern ways of thinking and managing a team. And so I think this has led to people rethinking their current job situation and quitting their jobs. Uh, it's said that 60% of employees are disengaged or dissatisfied. So That's perhaps, huge. Yeah, so perhaps your friend will go start his own business or retire or rethink going into the office for no reason. Well, and that takes me to the point. I, I spent three hours coaching him the other day and walking through pluses and minuses and goals and dreams. And we almost did a vision board over the phone. And the problem for employers is that they're not realizing, or maybe they don't want to see it, starting our own business is easy. Whether we make it last and we're successful, that's yet to be seen. But a lot of people are taking that risk now, like, well, what really is my dream? Let me look at this. We've had more time to take courses online to learn how to discern what is our dream? What do we want to do? Oh, you know, identify what are my skills? What are my talents? Everybody's doing all these free courses and showing up to workshops and seminars and webinars and all these things. So we're seeing 
wait a minute, I'm going to do my own thing and totally define it and only do what I want to do and only work with the people I want to work with and have that flexibility. And this has been, to me, one of the most beautiful things I've seen over the last couple of years is watching people and the light come on, not just in their heads, but on their faces, in their voices, as they're saying, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a shot because I don't like where I was. And I'm not seeing anything out there that will do what I want to do and allow me to do what I want to do. And I have more women friends, especially as you were saying in the previous episode, who's most of the people when it came to the homeschooling and everything else, it's like, okay, I guess I'm it. And that's just culture. And that's just what we have. And to say anything else, it doesn't have to be that way. Well, it is. Get over that. That's how it goes. You know, don't try and redefine all. I mean, I don't know who makes up those rules. Let's deal with reality. They're probably people without kids or little kids. But that burnout, the total burnout and having to answer to corporate and be there and work those extra hours and take all the meetings. And it's exhausting being on camera. I mean, they talked about Zoom fatigue and, you know, we're done talking about that. But being on whether you think about when you go to a conference, for those of you going back to conferences when you used to, that exhaustion because you are on your game the entire time. So when you are showing up to be in a meeting and you're sitting still and you're not walking around the house, you know, doing other things while you're doing things and you're not in the yard, things I do when I'm talking on the phone to people, it's so draining that that burnout gets moved much more to the foreground. It's coming faster than it used to. Yeah. And people are fleeing. Think about all the tools that are easy to enable your business. So starting a business is, I think, absolutely a trend. And people have talked about the gig economy for a long time. And while people might be thinking about quitting, they can do a side hustle. We see that sometimes. Or they can quit altogether and devote all their attention or all the work capacity they want to devote to their new business. I've seen CFOs for hire, kind of people working in time-sliced roles across a number of companies. So there's a lot of different configurations And I think we're probably just at the early stage of that, quite honestly, but that might be part of what's motivating people to leave. I've been doing that for me. I've been doing that for years, becoming either an interim or partial CMO. When I'm there, I'm 100% there for a company. But they say, I don't have, we don't have the budget for a full-time CMO. We don't have the need for it. But we need somebody two, three days a week for four hours a day to be available, to help us come up with plans, to come up with things and then set us free to do it all. And then check back and let's review. And so I'm finding actually some of my favorite clients, that's exactly what I'm doing for them. I'm slipping into that role of either a vice CMO, whatever you'd call that. It's not a C or is it a D and E? (laughs) You can call it if you want, but somebody that is the wrangler that comes in and helps to put that all the vision, all the pieces, all the people together. And then I can go do it at another company too, which I I find and the clients are finding because I'm coming from different industries, I can bring in perspectives and tools and case studies and things that they wouldn't have had access to with one set person doing this 100%. And so the companies are seeing value to that. 
Now, as a person, like my friend I was telling you about, that he's miserable where he is, defining his own and finding a few companies to combine lawyer, he's a lawyer, and he's a marketer. And to pull those together is rare. Sure. And some companies need that. They sure. need that legal perspective and that checklist to go with the marketing, but they can't afford both full roles. So right. he's defining his own. We don't have to do one thing anymore. The gig economy is 100% here to stay. And people are not defined by, I am a salesperson for this company. No, I sometimes do wedding photography and I sometimes do this and I do this. And they, all of that is that whole person that you're talking about. So what that means, I think, getting back to kind of enterprise sales managers is yes. you got to raise your game to be able to retain talent because there's an unprecedented number of choices and, yes. you know, to really help understand first and foremost, your people and what is it they are looking to accomplish? What's their ambition? You know, I'm not naive in thinking that people are going to stay working for me forever or working for Microsoft forever. So what are they looking to get out of this chapter of their life in working for me and working for Microsoft? And how can I help them achieve their goals on their terms? Well, it's achieve their goals, but as a sales manager and get the most performance out of them. Because it's the two prongs. It can't just be serve the team, serve the team. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, we have quota. Absolutely. It's anti into the game, achieving our goals. So when I first join a team or I have a new employee, I first start by trying to get to know them. And then the next conversation is, okay, let's talk about your goals and performance expectations. And then I have a regular sync, a regular connection point. I do forecasting every month. I talk to my team at least twice a month every other week, each of my team members. And we're talking about business results. But then once a quarter or so, we talk about career. We talk about skills that they want to learn. So it's absolutely no question about business. And in fact, since the pandemic started, I haven't had anyone resign from my team. So, you know, wow. it seems to be working. And congratulations. That's huge, Helen. I mean, yeah, I haven't heard a that. lot of those stories. No, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of that. Now, I've helped an employee um, move into their next role. They had a career ambition and they were successful in achieving that ambition. And so now backfilling that role. So that's a happy, intentional moving on, if you will. What about employees? They're expecting more of their managers now and the companies they work for. So what are some of the things that they're expecting now that, or maybe they've always expected, but they're now speaking up and taking action on it because that fear has been removed from being brave, from speaking up, from being bold. Yeah, so it's interesting. So we talked about flexibility. And before we move off that topic, many companies have declared over the last 
18 months or so, we're going to go back to the office starting September 2020, September 21, whenever. And so that hasn't happened. And many companies that said they were going <laughs> to require workers yes. to go back in the office have either pulled back on that expectation or they've empowered their managers to determine what's best for that team. So one of the things that we're seeing is sales managers are taking on more and more responsibility, not only for managing the outcomes and the performance of the team, having empathy, getting to know the team members, determining the work schedule and flexibility and how to navigate all of that. And in some cases, you know, people say that sellers are coin operated. Well, in my experience, there's a minimum threshold of compensation that they're looking for, but there's other things they're looking for as well. And so designing a compensation package where you have that latitude is also more complex for sales managers. So there's a lot of new skills and decisions to be made. One of the things we're dealing with right now is you go, okay, with all this flexibility, we want some sales managers, I've heard them say, well, I want my sellers to be close to the customer so that they can meet with customers regularly when it's safe to do so. But then my question would be, where's the customer? They're not going to the office either. They're a lot of the executives have moved to maybe it's pre-retirement locations or places they want to be. So then there becomes the complexity or the situation of how do we design in-person customer meetings that make a big impact because likely Mm -hmm. the customers are going to be flying in or traveling to the meeting, the sellers or the extended sales team, and maybe the manager will be traveling. So I actually think the hospitality industry could take off and there'll be more in-person meetings in conjunction with conferences. But I think the traditional way of meeting face-to-face with customers is going to wane and be vastly Mm -hmm. reduced. And I know that's a super uncomfortable point of view for many people who have built their career by building relationships face-to-face. I've been involved with a few organizations and I always love that at their conferences or or they would attend large conferences, but have their own private event. And they would have their private event with their small list and their own entertainment, their own food and everything because people were already all gathered and they could see exactly who they wanted to see. And those people got to see who they wanted to see. And it was a lovely, intimate event with 150 people, (laughs) but still intimate when 15,000 people are attending the conference. And I watched these same people in their own, then having their own conference. I'm attending one this month and there are going to be 240 attendees at this event, but there are some little offshoot groups that are looking forward to an when everybody splits off to have an intimate dinner with a table of 10 and to have these conversations. And that is another wonderful opportunity. If we think of things sometimes regionally, it mixes up. What if my customers are all over the world, but we have a rep that's over there 
And in that rep's immediate area, an easy area for them to get to, could be 10 people that all have different sales reps. And if everybody took that role of interim host and welcome all those people, what a wonderful thing about our company culture to show off that I'm going to host your clients and your client and your client, and you're going to do the same. And then we're all going to have this one Zoom thing and we're all going to see each other briefly. And then we're going to get back to our private event and see each other. And we're going to take photos and we're going to share them and we're going to talk about stories. And there's so many ways to reshape this, to be such a positive and not lose that personal experience of feeling the laughter of another next to you in the same room. Yeah, well said. With all of the new collaboration tools, another thing that becomes more complex for managers to manage, and actually sellers as well, is the combination of people in the room or in the conference and folks dialing in through Teams video, because we use Teams at Microsoft, and I know a lot of people use Zoom. And how do you make sure that the people who are remote aren't second-class citizens in the conversation? Because right. that's a whole nother thing. And, and do you have a moderator to make sure that you're giving everybody an opportunity to speak? Is the technology set up so that everybody is on a level playing field? At Microsoft, people are in the Teams call, even if they're in the conference room, so that they can see who's in the meeting. People can raise their hand, of course, in the meeting. And it it makes it a more, um, I guess, level playing field for participation. But that also is something that I think we're going to see a lot of innovation that further creates personal connection when you have the hybrid of in the office or in a meeting and then people remote. I think that will also start to play into stretching that timeline for that engagement to happen prior to, to get everybody excited to ask some questions, to have some pre-footage done, other things to make it engaging, to make it fun, to make it memorable and shareable because then you get mileage of it after. And what better way to speak to how do we retain talent? Well, we're we're talking to them ahead of time. We're engaged with them. We show them off. We brag on them. We do all these things. And yeah, your team feels good about it, but it makes others go, that's cool. I like that. I like how that feels. I wish they would do that at my company. And these, you're right, the innovation opportunities for sales managers to up their game, to increase their value, their skills, their success is huge. So I want to talk about what's going to be happening later. We know we're going to dive into some of these specifics. We're going to come up with some lists of here's some ideas you can do. I know we're going to get to that because that's fun to do too. That's brainwashing. And that's, I mean, brainwashing. (laughs) That's (laughs) brainstorming. (laughs) That's brainstorming and that's creative solutions that get people excited because maybe they haven't thought of that. And maybe people will give us new ideas that we can ask them. Well, we're going to ask you guys, we want to know, because we want to be able to add to our list and our repertoire of ways to engage our team better and retain them. So before we wrap this up, let's talk about what are some of the strategies for retaining talent? Well, I think I've covered a number of them, but, you know, understanding your team, setting clear outcome-based expectations, don't micromanage. As you said, like this 
insisting people be in the office and so you can watch them. That is, um, I, there are better strategies to making sure that people are performing. And I like to tell my team or remind my team that activity does not equal impact. So what are the results you're actually producing? And that's usually against goals like revenue or meeting with more senior executives in their company or things like that. So making sure that you're really creating strong outcome-based goals and giving your team flexibility where and when it makes sense. And that's both on the work side, but also on the personal side and figuring out strategies to help backfill them when they're on vacation or paternity leave or what have you. I would also say figuring out ways to remove barriers to sales, reduce friction. So a number of the folks on my team count on me to help them with mobilizing resources or make smoothing mm-hmm. sales what we call, I call sales alignment within our company because there's so many people that touch customer. It's important that we all have a common goal in mind and that often requires lots of conversations. And then supporting the career ambition of your team, understanding, supporting their ambition and it'll be on their own terms. And so I will help raise up a team member for promotion, or if they're pursuing a job, making sure that I connect with a hiring manager and advocating for my team. Now, this isn't all happy times because there are times when people aren't performing and you've got to address Mm -hmm. poor performance. But I've learned in my career that if you don't address poor performance, you can never retain the top talent because right. there is then a mediocrity that can come into play and you don't want that. You want to have high expectations, address poor performance, and then that also will inspire folks to stick around. Then you hire strong talent. So it's not just about supporting team members willy-nilly. It's making sure that you have high goals and high expectations and support them to achieve it and then address it if they don't. My experience has been on rare occasion, I've had a couple of poor performing team members and I was having a hard time. This goes back to even when I had my art gallery years ago and to let them go. And what I finally had to realize, and I've had this with clients that I wasn't really thrilled working with at some point, the energy that it took to maintain that the and to get over the dread, to get over the frustration, the anger, the resentment of their not performing either as a client or as a team member, took away so much from the ones that were great on the team, from the clients that were great and deserved my full heart and deserved me to be able to be creative and feel free to perform and do for them. But when you're mired in that negativity and the ones that aren't willing to do the work because they think they can get away with it because they think they're skating by nobody's noticing whatever the reason or their heart's just not in it anymore because they're doing three other gigs on your time and not showing up to meetings that's happening now i'm hearing more stories from team leaders that are saying that person oh yeah they're all dark or they didn't show up once again knowing that they have another gig that they're doing 
Well, that's a whole nother thing, isn't it? Yes. One of the things that happens in large corporations and Microsoft is no different is we change job role expectations. We evolve jobs. And so somebody can be in a job and then all of a sudden the expectations of that job change. And so then you've got to, okay, how can I help that person step up to the new job expectations? And for some people that works really well and other people they're like, you know what? It wasn't really what I wanted or there's a reorganization and they're working in a different team. And sometimes teams have different cultures and so they'll make a shift. So skilling also becomes really important with the team members so that they can keep upping their game because we always keep upping our game and our expectation. And so they can up their game accordingly. And then if it's things have changed and they're not to their liking, that they have then an opportunity to speak up and seek help to make a shift. To make the shift and the shift could be right out the door. It could we be. We don't know. Because you can't keep hoping they're gonna stay just for them to stay when they're unhappy because it does, like you said, it affects the entire team and the entire team's performance, and the customers can feel it too. And they don't like this, they don't like discord. So the skills of caring for your team, having empathy for your team members are super critical. And in fact, they're critical for the sellers to have with their customers. It's important that sellers can build trust with customers and have empathy and understand really what their customers are looking for. The empathy and the trust building that I show to my team, I expect my team to be able to show that to their customers. Yes, definitely. Definitely, because it's still human relationships. It's just different roles. Yep. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Love Your Team with Helen Fanucci. And I'm Susan Finch, hanging out with Helen and enjoying talking about ways that sales managers especially can learn to do it better, can get more enjoyment out of their team, better performance, and maybe learn some new skills along the way. So find out more at loveyourteampodcast.com. Thanks, Susan. Thank you for joining us for the Love Your Team podcast. Please subscribe and review us in all your favorite podcast venues. Share this show with your own team. If you have topics or guests to suggest, please let us know. Love your team at funnelradio.com.